This is the Going in Circles podcast, hosted by Horseman Chuck Simon. To become a sponsor, to suggest topics, or for questions, email goingincirclespodcast at gmail.com. And log on to our Facebook page, Going in Circles Podcast. Here's your host, Chuck Simon. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Going in Circles Live. It's Tuesday, and uh, the big happening this week, of course, is Saratoga opening up on Thursday afternoon, just a couple days away. Uh, Delmar will be opening this weekend. Uh, they're on a three-day week schedule. Saratoga's racing uh, four days this week and, and goes to the, the five days next week. Um, so it's uh, it's that time of the year where uh, everything else kind of falls behind uh, the big meets, and uh, Saratoga's already had uh, <laughs> uh, uh, probably an overabundance of of, uh, of activity and and. Uh, People looking at the PPs and and trying to figure out uh, their schedules, when they're going to go, where they're going to go, what what's going to happen. But uh, and with of course an eye on the weather, as it's been raining uh, up there the last few days, it's supposed to clear out uh, tomorrow and Thursday, and then Friday and Saturday it's it's a little dicey as well. But um, you know, hopefully it works out and and uh, and the rain stays away, or or it's just uh, you know, minimal about, not a big deal. But uh, Del Mar is a place I can guarantee you it won't be raining. That is the one big advantage that Del Mar does have over Saratoga when you talk about those true iconic tracks and, and which one is better. And, of course, they, they all have their, their strengths and their weaknesses. But weather is something that um, that uh, Del Mar, it literally doesn't rain during the period of time when Del Mar runs. So uh, that is one issue that that doesn't just uh you know it's an issue everywhere else it seems like but it's not an issue at delmar uh to discuss uh the saratoga meet the upcoming meet we'll have tom law on and uh it was just a little less than a year ago we had tom on uh talking about saratoga in a completely different fashion as as tom was uh one of the few journalists that was uh, allowed on the grounds to cover the races uh, in front of a, an empty grandstand. So uh, we'll talk to him about uh, his impressions, uh, you know, a couple days here before the meet and, um, you know, just uh, the difference that, that uh, 12 months can make. It's, uh, it's amazing, actually, that, um, you know, we've made, we've made it this far. Um, after Tom, we, we have uh, a guest uh, who... Might be known to people on, on Twitter uh, under a different name. His name is Dean Towers. He's the famous Pull the Pocket. He's had a blog for a long, long time. He's a, a marketing executive who happens to be a horse owner, player, and uh, maybe leans a little bit more towards the standard breads than he does thoroughbreds, but uh, he's a player. And, and um, you know, we we have a lot in common, and, is, uh, and I... I Started out with standard breads and morphed over to thoroughbreds and kind of, you know, straddle a line these days. But um, we'll talk about a couple issues that are that are really hampering standard bread racing, um, including eliminations for some of these big stake races 
which has been an issue and we're at a point where um the meadowlands pace eliminations which were held saturday at the meadowlands uh where you know unlike thoroughbred racing harness racing a lot of times has um more than uh, 10 horses which is standard for a mile track uh, 10 horses entered in, in a uh, in a stake race uh, and they they make payments sustaining payments uh, the horses are nominated very young and and there's a, a series of sustaining payments made so uh, a lot of this money is is uh, you know for the purses is comes from the owners themselves so this is one of the reasons why you know eliminations are a thing so if there are more than x amount of horses nominated they're pointing to the race that are entered for the race they have you know eliminations the week before to try to whittle the number down to 10 and the problem with these races is especially when you're talking about a small number of races uh, horses excuse me uh in this case this week it was 14 so you had two seven horse races the first five qualified for the final next you know this coming saturday which uh, is about I think a seven hundred thousand dollar race. I mean, so it's a huge race. The eliminations were forty nine thousand. So clearly, the connections don't want to, um, uh, you know, blow the the big race by overextending in the little race. The problem is people are betting on these races, and you have a situation where some of the some of the the, the connections just literally don't try. And that's that's not a you know that that's not a good situation to have at all any time, but particularly this day and age where um, you know racing of all manners has to be concerned about uh, about integrity and uh, you know with the uh, the amount, it, I guess it's it's similar to uh, the last week of the NFL season where they might not start the best players and rest them and. But it's a little different in that um, uh, it's just a little different. <laughs> but um, yeah, we'll have some. We'll also d- discuss a lot of other things because he is uh, he is very very in tune with um, a lot of the the wagering activity and uh, especially uh, the, the marketing uh, side of, of racing and and how we've uh, missed the boat a lot. Um, but he, he's got a really, really excellent uh, blog that he's uh, old-fashioned style blog that that he posts on a lot. He, he writes a lot, and and it's uh, it's usually short. It's to the point, and um, I'm sure I don't want to give you the wrong um, the wrong email address or uh, website address for it. We'll, we'll have Dean give it when he's on there. But uh, he, he does really good work and. Uh, and and you know he's he's a guy that understands the wagering side because he does it, and he understands the the ownership side because he's done that too. So uh, interesting, interesting guy, and uh, we'll have him on. Um, we'll have him on after after we have Tom. Um, I think uh, Tom is uh, Casey is is getting Tom now, so. We'll get ready um, to talk about the spa, and uh, I, I really believe that you know from the people I've talked to and trainers, connections, owners, a lot of uh, a lot of people are, are 
particularly um, eager for this meet this year. I think because of the uh, you know not having a normal meet last year, which was uh, just um, you know kind of a bizarre happenstance to to run seven weeks of Saratoga without anyone there or hardly anyone there. Um, but you know Churchill Downs also is revamping its turf course this year, which has basically meant that uh, everyone and it's usually open in the summer basically meant everyone got kicked out so there's a lot more horses that are uh, that are out of there and, and apparently a lot of them have made their way to Saratoga um and our our guest uh, Mr Mr Law uh, are you in Saratoga currently I sure am I was saying standing, standing right here outside uh our offices outside Basic Tipton on uh, East Avenue looking at the Oklahoma track right now. The famed office of the of the legendary Saratoga special. <laughs> you know it. We've been uh, we've been here a little over a week. Uh, not doing a not doing a paper until Thursday, opening day, but uh, getting ready. We're uh, we're almost uh, we're almost at crunch time. You know, Tom, I, I was um, and this is Tom Law for everyone that uh, doesn't recognize the voice, but um Tom Law of the Saratoga Special. I was just kind of reminiscing about a year ago. It was just a little, uh, mm. little less than a year ago. We we were on. We had you on, and yeah. uh, you were really kind of uh, melancholy about about being there in this situation where there was was you know hardly anyone else there, and there, you know just a handful of owners and connections, and uh, yeah. you know, an empty Saratoga, and how, how bizarre it was. And uh, it just seems like that was a million years ago. Yeah, I mean, what a complete uh, different feel we have around town here in Saratoga for really for the last several months, um, but in particular in the last uh, few days and kind of weeks leading up to the meet. I mean, there's you know the energy is, has returned uh, in full force. You know, I think probably the biggest concern for everyone now is that there's going to be enough. Uh, help to take care of the horses, which is an ongoing issue uh, nationwide, uh, and enough people to to work at the track and to uh, work in town at the restaurants. <laughs> you know, it's uh, with the influx of people that are kind of expected both for opening day and throughout the meet. I mean, if you think about it, in the history of Saratoga, at least in the history that, that we know, um, yeah. which of course is, is not, <laughs> you know, doesn't encompass the entire history of Saratoga, you know, from the 18, late 1800s. But, uh, you know, finding help was, was never a problem on the front side. It's been right. a little bit of a problem on the back side uh, yep. the last few years. But the front side never had problem. There was, there was rarely um, yeah. a lack of, of people to, to do those jobs. And uh, it's, it's, you know, like you said, it mirrors the country where yeah. Uh, it's just hard to find help. I know. And I, I had a kind of had a conversation with a, a couple guys today at the track about it. And it, it, it was kind of seemed strange to us, you know, I mean, to think, uh, you know, growing up here in Saratoga, like you and, you know, in and around the track one way or another, you know, I worked at, I worked at Fazy Tipton on the grounds crew, uh, as a kid out of college, I basically had that job lined up, uh, you know, 
few months in advance and basically started working uh, right when I got done with school and then worked right up until I went back to school. Uh, and I knew people that worked on the backside, walking hot, they're rubbing horses in the summer, or they worked on the front side, you know, working as waiters or, you know, bus boys or bartenders or, you know, mutual tellers or whatever they could do. Um, and again, had all that stuff set up, uh, you know, at least the buzz is that, that there's sort of a shortage. I'm kind of wondering like, what are teenagers doing? <laughs> like, I feel like if I was a parent and I'm not, uh, it's always easier for me. My sister jokes with me. My sister has kids. She always jokes with me that I have the best advice for, for someone that doesn't have kids. But I'm like, I, I kind of want the kids to get working, you know, get out of the house, get, get going, get, get doing something. Yeah. Um, you know? But uh, it's uh, yeah, it's, that's a strange, uh, a strange thing to think of. Now I don't know how you know what the reality is. I mean, I guess we'll find out. Um, you know, opening day, and obviously there's always some wrinkles to work out, and you know, shifting the meat, and obviously not having a meat here again last year. So maybe you're gonna you're gonna have some natural attrition anyway. People that that don't come back, and but uh, from all reports, uh, the people that are gonna come back are gonna be the fans. So. Um, I heard you mention the, the horses coming back, you know, a steady stream of the Sally and Brookledge and Morrissey van uh, rolling in and out of the uh, backstretch gate, Oklahoma gate, uh, all day, all week. Um, you know, horses, horse, the barns are filling up. Still still some empty spots, but as you know, it's kind of, kind of filled in as it goes. So, you know, guys are bedded down at the harness track with some of their overflow uh, like they usually are. Yeah, so ready to go you know i'm kind of we're doing the getting ready for the special and a lot of it's preparation and <laughs> i'm kind of sick of the preparation right now i'm ready for the show to start yeah right the uh the build-up you know the anticipation yeah. drop the curtain and let's let's go right um yeah yeah it seems like uh just and i know last year obviously was such a an outlier and and you know it's rare that the connections aren't wanting to go to saratoga but you know you had the the, the keeneland meet in the summertime you had the derby mm-hmm. being in september and mm-hmm. uh it made it a little difficult for the kentucky outfits to send uh huge strings and and of course the help issue as well i mean that was yeah a big issue last year you know too but um yep. yeah it just seemed this year like there was a lot more uh people that that seemed to be planning on going and uh it seemed like uh, i think the churchill backside closing mm-hmm. also has, has caused guys maybe to bring uh yeah know, an extra five ten fifteen horses that uh instead of having a division you know somewhere else i know a lot of a lot of right the, the kentucky people went to colonial because it's mm-hmm. a, a, you know not that far it's a relatively brief meet um right but uh i mean that that kind of uh sets the stage really for uh you know an excellent meet and of course uh when I first came on, I said, "Yeah, the two big tracks are opening this week. We have Saratoga and we have Delmar, and you know Saratoga, we're already looking at the weather, and Delmar, we can guaranteed tell you that it's not going to rain because it literally <laughs> never rains this time yeah. of year in in uh, in San Diego. So, uh, I mean, that's that is the one edge that Delmar does have over over Saratoga. But um, uh, what's the what's the report for Friday? Because it seemed like Thursday was going to be fine." Yeah, I think Thursday looks pretty good. I think Friday was a little more iffy, um, you know, with, and, and and even into the weekend, uh, I saw as well. So we'll, 
obviously be watching the watching the um, forecast for sure. You know, it's been uh, very wet uh, here the last maybe two weeks. I don't want to say it's been raining nonstop. A lot of the people on the backstretch I've been talking to say it's been raining nonstop. I mean, we had we did have some nice days in here, but uh, it's been it's pretty wet the last few days. Even mm-hmm. uh, track was you know pretty pretty wet the last few days a few mornings downpour yesterday um and the sun hasn't really come out in a while so not nearly drying it up and there's a little bit of humidity it's not like crazy saratoga humidity like we can get but um you know you could stand to stand to get a little sun which i think we're going to get tomorrow you know there's two big issues in saratoga when it rains number one is of course a lot of the barns are, are not really prepared to they don't yeah. have shed roads to walk in, and and you're kind of uh, you know you're going to get wet and muddy. The other is the the the, the looming specter of the mosquitoes. Oh man, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, so yeah. It's funny standing people, water and yeah. People have never been there. They don't realize like the backside of Saratoga backs up to like woods. And, yeah, and it um, does. I was looking at an overhead like <laughs> map, kind of aerial map today that. You know, the, the Yaddo grounds are, like, right there, and there's, like, little ponds and lakes, like, in there. And you're like, man, you know, like, you don't even realize that. But, yeah, it is. It's all woods, like, on the Oklahoma side and on the main track side that go right to, down to the interstate. Um, so, it's, yeah, and, 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 I mean, Saratoga's not a hugely populated area. So, I mean, you're, you're talking about a ton of green space in and around the track itself. I mean, it's neighborhoods and whatever, but, you know, I'm just looking out over big trees and big swaths of grass right now. Prime breeding ground for those mosquitoes. It for sure. sure is. <laughs> you need a guy like Garlic Rob to kind of come in and take man, you exactly. know, with, uh, Gar- back in Rob. the day, you know? Yeah, Garlic <laughs> Rob is like retired from the garlic business. And I'll be honest, this is the craziest thing. I was working for Alan Jerkins and this this nut comes around, right? And and, def- and and when you work for the chief, that wasn't that unusual. Yeah. Um, he seemed to, to yeah. attract people who are... Uh, you know the odd balls of the world, which is not a, a you know a knock. It's just the people who no. are odd, admittedly odd, uh, including like me. You know, yeah, <laughs> like I yeah. wound up there. So, uh, so he comes over and 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 I had met him a couple times, and and he had this you know he's got this spray, this garlic spray, and mm-hmm. I was like, what are you doing with that? And yeah. it's like it keeps mosquitoes away, and I was like, is this a hoax or something? I mean, garlic <laughs> keeps away mosquitoes. And he's yeah. like, yeah. And, and he said, I'll prove it to you. Uh, what I'll do is I, I'm going to go through the whole barn. I'm going to spray the mm-hmm. whole barn except one of the ponies. I'm not going to do one of the ponies. And, and, and mm. I'm, I'm gonna, you know, the poor pony is going to be a sacrificial lamb. But yeah. you watch. Um, and tomorrow when you come in, you can see the difference. So I was like, all right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and thankfully, I didn't make a bed of like you know dinner or yeah. something. And the next morning come in and the poor pony is like covered with mosquitoes. <laughs> I mean, if he didn't get malaria, he he never would. And like, he was indeed sacrificed. There was yeah. almost a, not another horse that had a mosquito bite on him in the whole barn. And I was just like astonished, right? Because it just seems like it just seems like bullshit, right? <laughs> like oh yeah. yeah, we spray garlic and the mosquitoes don't like garlic. Like whoever thought the mosquitoes don't like garlic? I mean they're not vampires. I, I don't know, maybe they are, you know, blood suckers, so they are kind of like vampires, right? Yeah. But right. um oh, right. <laughs> it actually <laughs> worked and, and he had a he did that business for a long, long time. I mean yeah. twenty five years and, and now he's you know, yeah. now he's a big shot realtor, so I know. 
a big, big timer. He does. I, I, I can vouch for it. I talked to him about it a couple of years ago. I had some problems in my yard, my girlfriend's yard, uh, and we bought a sprayer. And he told me what to buy, like the concentrated liquid and whatever. Yep. And do a perimeter and do whatever, and you know it. <laughs> It does keep my way. It's crazy, <laughs> you know? but it, it actually works. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, it, it makes your yard smell like a pizza, uh-huh. a, a pizzeria. But you know, it's there's worse. <laughs> yeah. There's worse things to use than than garlic. No. That's for sure. No, I uh, know. My neighbors don't even complain. They're kind of like, oh, what do you got going on over there? <laughs> you yeah. know, I'm like, oh, I wish I was. I wish I could cook and make something good like that. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so. Yeah. Uh, they drew, um, you know, they drew the first two days. Uh, yep. And, I mean, the fields look, you know, for the most part, like like big, solid fields. And Yeah. Uh, I was going over just a little bit last night with Barry on the on the Monday night show and said, you know, like, these, these are good competitive races. It doesn't look like there's going to be a lot of odds-on horses. And, I mean, that's kind of what we all long for with, you know. Yeah. With competitive racing and, and both of the stakes, I mean, Quick Call has, um, you know, maybe a prohibitive favorite of, of the of the two days that might, you know, I'm sure, will probably be mm-hmm. the, the biggest favorite, uh, Golden, yeah, Powell, Golden Powell, you know, mm-hmm. coming off of the the Breeders' Cup. But I mean, it is a long time. The horse hasn't run in a long time, and um, right. you know, the one thing about those five furlong races or five and a half furlongs of Saratoga is that, you know, you break a little tardy, you're getting a little trouble down the backside, and man, you're you're kind of up against it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I think, you, you know, you made a good point about the, the Keeneland meet in the summer last year and uh, how that affected things. You know, that definitely, I think, affected uh, the beginning part of the meet here with uh, shorter fields. And in particular, last year, you saw some shorter fields in some of the stakes. You know, like I think, you know, sometimes you're always going to see maybe a shorter field in the grade ones. And, you know, I think the modern grade ones maybe take a little bit of a knock. Uh, you know, people think that, oh, these are such small fields for these races. But if you look throughout history, you'll see a lot of small fields for some major type stakes in the past, you know, because guys were avoiding, you know, big horses like Florgo and Secretariat and stuff like that. Ran in a lot of small fields. But, um, you know, in the races like the Quick Call, which I think they got a, a good number, you know, if you would compare it maybe to last year, they might have had a lot fewer. And even and even the two-year-old races, you know, seem to draw the, the Scottsdale at least seemed yeah. to draw a little bit better. It seems like I was expecting to see like six or yeah. five, you know. And you got to go to the second page in the in the DRF PDF, which I was like, oh, cool, you know, they got like a couple Asmussen horses in there, and you know, the Kentucky horses are showing up, and Tom Amos entered a couple. So it's uh, yeah, and once and then of course once we get the the two-year-olds running here in New York, I mean, there's been limited number of races around new york for the babies i mean there's been a few but once those get rolling then you start to see those races fill out towards the end of the meet the, you know there'll always be that saratoga maiden winner that kind of wins early and uh goes to the hopeful and spin away um so we'll hopefully see those kind of early on in the meet and go from there but uh yeah good uh, i haven't really gotten dug into it uh in depth yet but uh uh, our handicappers, a couple of our handicappers for the special have already sent me their picks for Thursday. So I was like, whoa, you know, like, they're bullish. I guess they're ready to go. <laughs> so, you know, outs, uh, outs, outside of uh, maybe Kentucky Derby Day and yeah. the Breeders' Cup, 
There might mm-hmm. be no more no no card in, in in North American racing that that gets more <laughs> scrutiny and has people uh, you know, handicapping earlier than the opening day of Saratoga. Yeah, you're right. You know, I never really thought about that. You know, you start thinking about it, people are like, you know, hitting that refresh button on the Equibase <laughs> to get the overnight. You know, on the on the Sunday or wherever. I guess they drew it. They drew it really early. Sunday, yeah, yeah. Well, they, they drew it really early. They, yeah. yeah, they. They. I mean, looking at the fields, it wasn't as though they needed to to beg for any horses. I mean, uh, yeah, just the first race in the day, which is a twelve-five claimer, a mile and an eighth uh, yep. on the dirt has uh, has nine, and yeah. I mean. Those are races that generally go with like five. I mean, yeah, exactly. two turn dirt races, period. Yeah. And, uh, you know, to, there's an allowance race um, on the card as well. Uh, the seventh race, which is, a, a, you know, an entry level allowance race going a mile and eighth in the dirt, that's yep. got uh, 12 horses in it with an entry. I know. So 11 betting interests. So I was like, man, this is like a, <laughs> this is like an old school thing. And, you know, yeah, to go back gonna, to what you said about, uh, you know, the, the old days, and that that's the one thing that people don't, you know, for, do forget that in the old days, every stake race wasn't overflowing with horses. It's right. really not that much different than now. There may, you know, maybe the competition was a little bit stronger overall. Mm-hmm. Uh, we might have a little too many stakes these days, not just like Saratoga, right. but just overall. It just seems like there's more horses, uh, more stakes than there are stake horses. Yeah, but, right. The difference was was that the 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 undercard races, the claiming yeah. races. You can get programs from the seventies, the eighties, the nineties, and 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 you look at the the claiming races are always full. Yeah, you know they're yeah. they're always full, and 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 that's the difference uh, that that we have now, especially on the dirt where it's just a it's just a tougher. You know, people want to race on the turf. Um, yeah, you know, for exactly. Whatever, for whatever reason, but. Uh, yeah, you know, I know. I'm always, you know, we don't, we don't, <laughs> we barely stand any grass stallions, but yet we all want to run. Everybody wants to run in the grass, you know. I mean, I, you know, as you know, Chuck, you're a trainer. It's uh, maybe <laughs> I, I, I can't speak for for trainers, but maybe I will. I, I think it's probably a lot easier. You know, you run a five and a half grass race, and you know, you finish eight, and you get beat a length and a half. Versus if you run in a mile and eighth race, as you know, those races at Saratoga, the mile and eighth, the grueling race on horses, you know, especially maybe lesser horses. You finish eighth and you might get beat 40 lengths. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? no, the, the turf you keeps to them together. talk to your sure. owner and like, yeah, I got beat 40 lengths. <laughs> yeah, you know? the, the turf, no doubt, the turf definitely yeah. keeps the fields together. And like you said, you can yeah. finish eighth and get beat a couple lengths. And, yeah. um, you know, well, the dirt does spread it out a little bit. But right. uh, it is, it is, it is one of the funniest things that always kind of like amused me was I would call, I would find a horse at a sale, a yearling sale. And, uh, I'd like the horse a lot. And I think we mm-hmm. get the horse for a really nice, decent price. And, you know, the call up an owner and say, Hey, listen, what about this horse? I think we can buy this horse, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, Oh, he's a turf horse. <laughs> you yeah. know? But then, so you go buy a dirt horse, right? And maybe you yeah. don't buy as good a horse, but you're buying something that might be a little earlier or whatever. And, you get them to the races, and they they're you know kind of mediocre. And yeah. next thing you know, it's like, well, let's try them on the turf. And yeah, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. You didn't want the grass yeah. horse. We could have know? bought like the next theatrical, and then you passed them up to buy this this you know this race because yeah. uh, this, this horse is going to sprint, and uh, it, yeah. it is kind of crazy. And there's there's so much more turf, and that that's one of the that's one of the differences, like. And, and I don't have, I haven't like done any studies on this, but it seemed to me that 
Saratoga used to be the one track in, uh, especially in New York, where they raced on the turf more often than yeah. uh, than they did um, downstate. Now, I mean, these days there's so much more turf racing. I mean, like turf sprints didn't even exist till you know, 20 years ago. We hardly even had them. Yeah, and barely ten years ago here in Saratoga. Yeah, yeah it's it's crazy, but um, yeah. You know, Saratoga always seemed like, you know, the two courses. And, and I know they've yeah. had two courses at Belmont, but Belmont always seemed like they ran more dirt races. And Saratoga mm-hmm. seemed like was the was the place where they just uh, did run a little bit more on the turf than, than they had. Yeah. Because it wasn't that unusual, uh, you know, when we were younger to have a, a card of races at Saratoga and, and have two turf races or three. Yeah. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And yeah, and Keeneland was kind of the same way, right? Yeah. You'd see like one or two races on the grass at Keeneland. Um, now, you know, here up up here, it's not uncommon to see six, you know, six grass races, maybe seven. I I, I noticed that in particular because you start doing your handicap and you're like really looking at the weather. You're like, man, it might move six of these races off the grass. That's like really factors into your handicapping for sure in advance, you know, especially. Uh, that was one of the things I was looking at. I, I just kind of glanced over friday's card and i was thinking man if this race comes off the the turf yeah it's really gonna be it's it's really gonna crush that card and and i'll, yeah. I'll be honest um the steak uh the forbidden apple on mm-hmm. friday is is a fantastic race i mean it's it's really it really is it, it's one of those things that i i I said this on the podcast last night. I go, you know, sometimes I can be a little curmudgeonly, uh, you know, complaining about um, some of the stakes that we have that, that they're basically yeah. glorified allowance races. But this is a real grade three stake. I mean, this is a race where there's not a Chad Brown horse that's really a grade one horse that he's just, you know, tuning up. Um, there's there's no uh, there's no thirty five claimers, you know, masquerading as stake horses. It's yep. a really good, solid field of of ten horses, and and uh, you could make a real good case for about seven of them. It is. It's a nice, uh, nice addition, kind of. I guess they moved it, uh, sort of forbidden apple. I think it used to be a race that used to be run down at Belmont, maybe when they created it. Now they moved it up here, uh, shifted some of the early stakes around. It's kind of a good, a good start to the weekend. Of course, you got the Diana on Saturday. Um, so yeah, good grass program, you know. Kind of a potential prep, you know, for like the four-star days, maybe later in the meet or Bernard Baruch towards the end. But uh, yeah, real, real quality, you know, what you'd expect, you know, Saratoga anticipation, was, you know, and a, a raised purse as well. I mean, boosted them up a little bit. I was trying to figure out what race the Forbidden Apple used to be. You know, I, I think it might have just been the Forbidden Apple. I mean, it's just kind of a race they created. It is. Yeah, it's graded, right? <laughs> yeah, it's grade three. It's yeah. a grade three race. Yeah, yeah. Arthur Appleton. One of those $100,000 races, and now it's kind of in, that's done well, and it's gotten the upgrade. Right, yeah. It might have started out as a as a listed stake and, and moved up. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it was funny yeah. because, um, you know, last weekend at Belmont, they had the Belmont Oaks and the Belmont Derby. And, yeah. uh, of course, Aiden O'Brien came over. Him and Ryan yeah. Moore swept both of them. And, yep. and I mean, honestly, they the fields really weren't that strong, and right. um, those horses were top caliber horses. I mean, one thing about Aiden O'Brien over the last few years, and people kind of knock his record, but he hasn't been sending over. 
the A team that often. I mean, he he sends them over for the Breeders' Cup, but yeah. a lot of these races he hasn't sent over horses that are even favorites. I, I think someone gave me a stat on Saturday night that uh, in the last five years he's run like 111 horses here, and only 14 of them went off favorite. Which oh wow, which yeah. I would have never guessed. Like if you had told me over either. under was 20, I'd have probably said over. Um, yeah, but um. Those two horses, you know, clearly look best, and uh, I, I guess they, they're talking about bringing them back for the Breeders' Cup in Del Mar. But um, it was interesting because later on, and and I don't want to like you know make too much of a big deal because it's not really mm-hmm. an important deal. But like America's Best Racing and, and one of the, the World Horse Racing on Twitter, you know, said, "Oh, it's the first time in twenty years that a jockey has swept the two races," and I was like. I don't think the Belmont Derby's been around for 20 years. And then, you know, no. I did a little investigating, and it's only eight years. And they're talking about Jerry Bailey when he when he won the, the Jamaica, mm-hmm. uh, which was the, you know, formerly known as the Belmont Derby, or, the, yeah. you know, the the, 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 the the race that preceded the Belmont Derby on King Cougat. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he won the whatever was the Belmont Oaks, the race before the Belmont Oaks. Originally, it was the Rare Perfume, which actually was a okay. dirt race, and then they yeah, changed and, it. Uh, and that was a Jamaica's form. been run as a dirt race too. I think at it, times, it has right? it's for a long yeah. time. The dirt right. Jamaica was a dirt race, and uh, Gaviola won it for uh, uh, Billy Turner. And okay, they yeah, weren't yeah. even run on the same day; they were run five <laughs> weeks apart. And I'm like, yeah, come on, man. <laughs> like, That's a reach. That's a little like, bit of a reach. Like, do there, do yeah. we really need to like make stuff up? I mean, yeah. couldn't you have just said, "Hey, for the first time," which is yeah. actually the truth. The first time any That's jockey right. has won both, uh, you know, both uh, the Belmont Oaks and the Belmont Derby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty funny. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's a reach. You know, I mean, there are maybe other things to promote besides that. Yeah, try, I was try just... to find another angle. That's what that's what I would tell a writer that worked for me at the special. Maybe you got to find a different angle. Kinda, <laughs> you're kind of reaching there. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I can't have happened 20 years ago. There was no Belmont Derby 20 years ago. Right. Um, right. No, not at all. You know, the, and, and the segue into that is that um, yeah, you know, they've they've kind of shifted up the stake schedule at Saratoga this year where. Uh, I mean, like the the Diana is. I think it's early now, right? I mean, it's it's this Saturday, which is earlier than in the meet than it usually yeah. is. Yeah, it is a little earlier, and it's even. I mean, sort of last year was everything was really shifted. So maybe just a kind of a comparison, looking back to the 2019 or kind of early earlier meets. Yeah, the Diana wouldn't be this early. Um, you might see the coaching club or races like that kind of early anchors to the early part of the meet but yeah the diana and it's coming it's not super fast back but you know you ran like the the new york stakes and the just the game on belmont stakes weekend so maybe i guess they're angling for horses maybe coming out of those races with a you know a month a little more than a month layoff um but yeah you're looking at uh it's a good maybe it's a better a better feature for the first saturday um than they've had in the past but yeah, and then, like you said, they shifted some other stuff at the end of the meet, moving the Jackie Cup Gold Cup and the Flower Bowl to Saratoga. That just seems sort of strange to, to even say that. I used to think it was strange to say the Woodward was at Saratoga, too. Uh, maybe we're dating ourselves with that. <laughs> it, it, <laughs> like it, is, 
It is yeah. strange. Like if you had told me yeah. twenty years ago that, that they'd be running the Jockey Club Gold Cup at Saratoga, I, I would be like, yeah. "Belmont burned down or something." <laughs> what do you, yeah, you know, right. How is that I possible? Know. And uh, it's just, I guess, it's just, um, you know, the way that the, the modern horses are trained. Guys yeah. don't want to run in a mile and a quarter race as a prep for a mile and a quarter race, which, yeah, which I know would drive Alan Jerkins and PG Johnson and those guys nuts. They they would uh -huh. be like, why wouldn't you want to run this distance you're going to run? Like it doesn't make yeah. any sense. But you know, guys just have kind of shunned the Jockey Club Gold Cup, and and I, I mean, when we were kids, the Belmont Fall Meet half. was the Woodward yeah. and the Jockey Club Gold Cup and the Marlboro yeah. Cup, um, right. So there was three of those races. Of course, that was predating the Breeders' Cup. I mean, the, the right. Breeders' Cup kind right. of took the place of the Marlboro Cup once, uh, you know, once that yep. that became a, a a big race on the on the and, you know it came the race to win yep. on, in the fall, and it, it it has hurt Belmont quite a bit. Um, oh, I think so. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think you know the, the the Breeders' Cup certainly has its place, but you know the argument made that it's really sort of wreaked havoc on. All states get before and after the Breeders' Cup. You know, I mean, it's sort of the elephant in the room, or you know, sort of the thing that sucks all the air out of the room. You know, it's become the sort of the end-all, be-all at the to the detriment maybe of some fall racing programs. And and now, especially the the modern way, you know, it's not not unheard of for horses to run in the Woodward or the Travers, and and until the Breeders' Cup, um, that's kind of a a long break, you know, what seems like a long break, I can when you see horses would come out of Saratoga and might run twice at the Belmont Fall meet before the Breeders' Cup. I remember looking at a chart, I think it was the Breeders' Cup, the first Breeders' Cup, uh, the turf race. Every horse in the race, including the foreign horses, had run within three weeks of the Breeders' yeah. Cup turf. Every single <laughs> wow. one of them. Yeah. Um, and that, that included the ones shipping over from uh, from England and from France. Yeah. And it, I said that, like, you would go this year, I would almost guarantee you that none of the horses would run within three weeks. And, and honestly, there's there's hardly ever, there's hardly any, you know, any spots. I mean, the, oh, right. the fall kind of, you know, meets the, the, the traditionally powerful fall meets, the Belmont fall meet, the Keeneland fall meet, even Santa Anita, have really become... You know, mostly at the upper end, Breeders' Cup preps. Yep. It's just uh, these rate use. You know, these races used to be the feature races, and and now they're not. And I mean, Saratoga's really kind of you know, Saratoga and Del Mar are really kind of the the last um, you know meets where everything isn't uh, predicated on uh, you know the Breeders' Cup. And yeah. Even yeah. with that, I mean, you know, like horse like Maxfield, who you know you know won so mm -hmm. easily. It, uh, and the Stephen Foster, I mean, Brandon Walsh was kind of, you know, he, he didn't really know what they were going to do or if they even were going to yeah. run again before the Breeders' Cup Classic, which I know. <laughs> you know, it's like, wow, like, because he's a horse that, that has run quite a bit this year for mm -hmm. an upper class mm -hmm. horse, but it's just kind of such a different, um, you know, just a different way of doing things. And, uh, you know, we'll see, I guess. Yeah, I know. Yeah, well, we'll no doubt get some horses that uh, have eyes on the Breeders' Cup uh, coming out of here for sure. Um, you know, as as always, uh, little babies and three-year-olds and uh, everybody's revved up. You know, I mean, like you said, you got you got larger, 
maybe some larger contingents of horses from some of the Kentucky guys and uh, brought brought some other horses up here to will not only fill out the fields but kind of also give them a good a good uh, indicator of where they are for uh, for races down the road in the fall. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I think I really. I mean, cross my fingers that that they're going to have a really good meet, and uh, I'm I'm going to try to make it up there at some point. All right, um, that'll be great. Well, you know where to find us. We're uh, rocking out the Saratoga Special. We're going to do uh, 20 issues for the season, mm-hmm. um, which is an increase from last year. We went digital only. Uh, didn't print anything last year, so we're bringing the print edition back. And, oh, great! Yeah, having a expanded expanded uh coverage from last year um you know we kind of locked everything in a little uh earlier this spring kind of couldn't really still kind of didn't have a total idea about even where things were going to be it's funny how how these days are lately um but now that we kind of know and you know advertising has been strong could always use a little more um as always but uh it's uh going well and, and we're excited so you know we'll still be able to Read the, the digital edition online. This is horseracing.com every day. You can download it. You know, really get it the night before or whenever we finish. Right, Hopefully right. the night before. Hopefully it's not the morning <laughs> before. Uh, <laughs> that's a good one. That's another really good thing about the print edition is that it keeps us firm to the deadline. Right, right. Paper has to get to the printer. <laughs> right. Well, no well, exception. Yeah. You know, this year, you, you know, you have some more, uh, you know, uh, troops on the ground you're not you're not uh, right. doing a solo act up here by yourself <laughs> yeah <laughs> i had a little bit of help last year from some correspondents and some kind of people that helped me help me but for the most part it's like so yeah it was solo and it was very strange and bizarre obviously to be out the, out the track by myself uh, in the afternoon <laughs> you know with two or three other reporters maybe covering a grade one stake or a grade stakes on a on a weekend you know really weird surreal situation so Looking forward to kind of feeling the energy of the crowd. I kind of looking at I was looking at my notes from last year opening day of what it was like and kind of my you know my own personal observations of writing little notes in my notebook and I might I'm going to go this year too kind of do the same thing like walk to the same areas where I walked last year yeah. do a compare and contrast obviously going to be dramatically different uh, there yeah, could be the- there could be a thousand people there which I know there's not going to be there's going to be a lot more. Uh, and it would be stark difference. So that, that that sounds like a good story, Tom. Yeah, yeah, that's a little tease maybe for issue number two. Right there, you go. <laughs> uh, you know, what yeah. a difference a year makes. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Well, we got yeah. steeplechase next week, so I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna be bugging the guys to get me somebody to talk about the about the jumpers because I like right. the jumpers. I don't care if people don't like them. I don't you know like. Well, that's fine. I mean, they can not like them. I, you know, I didn't used to be a huge fan of it myself, I'll admit. I mean, I sort of did, and then I kind of haven't, and then I did again. And then I kind of was like, you know, so-so towards it. But now that I've started doing it, I kind of follow it. It's its own little circuit, you know. It has exactly. its own little – you kind of can follow it. and It's uh, just like anything else. And, I mean, it's, you know, you gotta got to gotta respect the horses and the athletes, the, the riders, for the athleticism yeah. and for their – fearlessness sure. to sure. some extent <laughs> you know <laughs> it's a little I, crazy i, I um, asked john luke samin one time i said john luke you're one of them european people 
So you, yeah. you ever ride in the? You should ride in the jump race. He's, he looks at me. and goes, "Are you mad?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Here's a guy riding, you know, big field turf races and stuff. Yeah, yeah right. Sure. He's going forty miles an hour. You know, in and out. I know. And, and uh, you know, <laughs> he thinks these guys are nuts. And you know, I know they kind of are. I mean, they're jumping, but you know, honestly, it's like I always tell people, listen, listen, it's like two races a week. You know what I, I mean? Know. Like seriously. Yeah, uh, I mean, come on, man. Yeah. It's, it's, well, you know, uh, I mean, if people want to, they want to complain about something. You know, if it was too warm or the sun was too bright that day, somebody's going to complain about it. Yeah, it's, I think they, a lot of it seems yeah. to be the old curmudgeonly New York turf yeah. riders who kind of don't even exist anymore since all no, the newspapers have <laughs> uh, yeah. have just uh, you know like shut down everything. But uh, yeah. which is a shame. I mean, it's not a good it thing, is. but. But no, I, I like to jump racing, and uh, I mean, it's to me, it's. I mean, I never win at. It. I mean, I haven't bet a winner since Zacchio or something. <laughs> I thought it was interesting, you know, seeing that Mister Firestone died yesterday. Um, yeah, I didn't know that he owned Jimmy Lorenzo, who was a really, really good horse of the year, steeplechase horse back in the late '80s. I didn't, I mm, didn't even yeah. realize that. I saw that too. Yeah, I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. Yeah, you just associate him with, you know, all those good. Flat horses over the years, genuine risk, and you know, theatrical. Yeah, Chief Honcho. Chief Honcho was, yeah. was kind of my nemesis. I was never right on that horse. Every time I bet him, <laughs> he always got beaten. Every time I bet he, against him, he always won. He was. He was that kind of horse. You're Chief right. Honcho. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. General yeah. Assembly. General Assembly. Oh was, yeah. That, right. Yeah. His That's name was up there forever. Up there. Yeah, he, yeah, he was. Uh, he was the track record holder at the mile and a quarter for until Arrogate broke it. That's right. Yeah. So, well, Tom, I appreciate you coming on and giving us some time, and uh, yeah. maybe we'll have you on back later in the meet, kind of give us an update on, awesome. on how things are rolling, and then if I do make it up there, I definitely want to uh, come yeah. see you guys and uh, hang out a little bit. Yeah, it'd be great to catch up, and it's good to catch up on the phone. I'm glad we could do it. And anytime, whatever you need, Chuck. You got friend. it, Tom. It's always appreciate good to talk to you. It. All right. Thanks, Tom. You're welcome. All right, everyone, that's Tom Law of the Saratoga Special. They're going to have 20 editions this year. Uh, great paper, a great racing paper. It's it's interesting. It's timely. The reporting's good, and uh, and Sean does a, a great job with his editorials. I don't know how he I don't know how he writes 20 editorials a year or uh, in a seven week period. I really don't. But uh, but check it out, Saratoga Special. I think SaratogaSpecial dot com. But um, but you know, Saratoga is—it's—it's it's here. It's literally here. So, um, hope everybody's ready. Uh, we'll be back in, in just a minute with uh, Dean Towers. The people that bring you EPO Equine, Unlock, and Bleeder Shield. Now comes Flexify HA, the most advanced scientifically based joint supplement on the market. To find out more, contact me, Joseph Volante, at two one five five zero one. Six eight eight zero. To be the best, give them only the best. BRL Equine. This is the Going in Circles podcast, hosted by Horseman Chuck Simon. 